Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. What's up? Welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here. On a Thursday, we are presented today, of course, as always, by The Green Solution. Make sure to check these guys out. This is an awesome deal for you BSN listeners. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Here's what we got on today's show. Got a couple questions that I'm going to get to right off the bat. One coming in through email, one from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. I will give my end of season review slash grade to Gary Harris. Obviously an injury plagued year from him, but a strong showing in the playoffs. So I'll get off some thoughts about his season. And then at the end of today's show, you guys have been waiting for it. You guys have been asking for it. The definitive review of Will Barton's unexpected EP, as well as my rankings of the five songs on the mixtape. You guys will have to wait till the end of the show to get that, though. Let's start off with a question from Evan from Castle Rock, a.k.a. Ranchman. He writes in to my email about Jamal Murray's defense. Again, if you guys have questions for the show, wind at bsndenver.com if you want to send in an email, or you can call up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. Evan writes, let's talk about Jamal Murray and his defensive awareness. Jamal was asked a few weeks ago during his season-ending press conference what his offseason goals are, and he stated that it was to be more aggressive. When asked about his defensive improvement, he said, defense is more of a team thing. While the need to have a player to player communication when switching on defense cannot be understated. His response to the question on defense didn't address his own need to contribute to team defense. When I hear that, I feel as if I'm listening to someone who is either A, not self-aware of the primary part of his game that he needs to work on, or B, Malone did not stress defense in his exit interview, which seems less likely. I'd agree with that. I recalled this as very similar to what Jamal said at the end of the prior season when the team did not make the playoffs. So I went to the archives and looked it up. Christian Clark wrote at the end of the prior season about Jamal's exit interview. Jamal stated, quote, my free throw percentage should be my three point percentage. Murray said with a straight face, he went on to say, all I can do is break more ankles and score more points to do that. I'm not going to stop. And I don't see anyone stopping me either. 
Evan goes on to write, if we take Jamal at his word, and I don't know how else to interpret making similar statements two years in a row about working primarily on his offense during the offseason, then it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on Tim Connolly to find a starting small forward who can play sound defense and provide assistance to help slow down guard penetration while still contributing 15 or so points per game. Such a player's offensive output is less important than their defensive prowess. Players like that cost both money and if traded for a willingness to move assets for the long-term benefit of the team, I will make a small contribution to the conversation on who that might be in an upcoming call. The question I continue to ponder is what is the best combination of players that gets the team closer to the top? That's the decision point the team has reached during this offseason based on Tim Connolly's season-ending comments. He is very focused on this. Thanks, Evan. And I would agree. The Nuggets are very focused on finding players that can improve their team. We've belabored this point on this podcast many times that they obviously need more of a defensive presence on the wing. Partly, I'd say, to cover for Jamal's defensive shortcomings at the point guard position that he showed last season. And I think Denver will try to get that guy this offseason. As I've said on this podcast this week, I'm not sure there are many options in terms of who that guy is out there right now. There's a lot of those top-tier free agents that would certainly fill that void. I don't know if any of those guys are gettable this summer. There's also guys like Robert Covington out there, Torian Prince. We, we've talked about those names on this podcast. I think both would be good fits. Covington, I think, definitely gets Denver closer to the mountaintop, closer to that contender status. Torian Prince maybe gets them a little closer. Uh, but I don't think he necessarily moves the needle like a guy like Covington might. I think Denver could try for those guys. Will anything come of that? You know, I'm not quite sure. But I know Denver will try to upgrade their roster this summer. But again, as I've said on this podcast, I'm not expecting any major moves. I think Denver largely runs it back. But that doesn't mean they won't look to improve. In terms of Evan's main question there about Jamal Murray's defense... I was a bit surprised by Murray's answer to that question when he was asked about defense at his exit interview, pretty much saying that, you know, defense is a team game. And he kind of made it sound like that wasn't something he was going to be working on this summer. And defense, he would even say, is something that he needs to improve. Michael Malone was asked about what he thinks Jamal Murray needs to improve on at his exit interview, and he pretty much chalked it up to consistency. He needs to be more consistent, and at 22 years old, that's the biggest struggle with a lot of young players, consistency. And I think Malone would definitely agree that defense falls under that umbrella, even if he didn't mention it specifically. And I can guarantee you, Michael Malone mentioned the subject of defense to Murray whenever those two guys met before... Murray went back to Toronto or wherever he jetted off to after his exit interview in Denver. I'm sure the topic of defense was approached by those two in their private exit interview. And that's not a surprise, right? Jamal Murray needs to work on his defense. He needs to be better at the point of attack. He should be better, quite honestly. 6'3", with a nice wingspan, he's athletic. He should be better defensively, and I think with time, he will develop into a better defender as he gets more reps under his belt, as he sees the game slow down even more over the next few years. I think naturally, he will become a better defender. The thing about defense is it is a little difficult to improve on when you're working by yourself. Defense isn't something that you can just go out on the court and work on 
like shooting. But there are ways you can definitely work on defense. You can study film or you could try to get in a you know three on three, five on five setting with a couple player development coaches and uh, a couple teammates and practice going over screens, practice navigating around screens, containing the ball, help side defense. There are ways to work on defense in the summer. It is more difficult though than say just getting in the gym and working on your shot. So I'll be curious to see how Jamal Murray approaches this offseason. I expect him to come back a better defender, a more consistent defender as I'm sure the Nuggets do. I expect him to come back a more consistent offensive player, too. That's the biggest thing he needs to work on. And more consistency on the defensive end of the floor is probably more important to the Nuggets at this stage in their development than consistency on the offensive end of the floor. If Jamal Murray becomes an above-average defender at the point guard position, that's going to really help Denver out in the long run. And also, the important thing to remember as is vital to remember when discussing Jamal Murray in any capacity. He's just 22 years old. He played this season at the same age that Damian Lillard played his rookie year at. And that's so important to remember when discussing any aspect of this guy's game. He's still so young, and he's still got a really high ceiling. I don't know if any of you guys saw the Steve Kerr quote. I tweeted it out here Thursday morning in the New York Times. Kerr said, quote, Jamal Murray is on his way to becoming one of those guys. He shoots it, catch and shoot, or off the dribble like Steph. If you want to think about more of a robo-shooter category like Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, beautiful. Same shot over and over again. You guys know what I think of Jamal Murray as a prospect, as a player. I've said on this podcast so many times, I think he's got a ceiling between Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. I think that's how good he can be. He can be an all-NBA guard someday. But he's got to do it on the defensive end of the floor as well. Steph Curry, he's a better defender than you think he is. Damian Lillard, I don't think he was great defensively in this playoff series against Denver, but he's league average. And so... Offense, that's what gets you paid in this league, particularly at the point guard position. There's really no way around it. Jamal Murray probably knows that, and he's up for a payday here very shortly, and he will get paid. Defense, it's very important as well at the point guard position, and better defense on the perimeter from everybody on the Nuggets is going to be crucial to getting them to that next step. Thanks for the question, Evan. Again, if you guys have questions that you want to submit through email, wind at bsendenver.com. I want to go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline and hear from Chris with a question about Nikola Jokic as a recruiter. Let's go there right now. Hey, it's Chris in Denver. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Nikola Jokic. Um, it seems like all the uh, all the rage these days on the NBA morning shows is the finals or free agents. Um, you know, I know, I know a lot of us, uh, you know, really think that Jokic took the, took the next step this year and took a step beyond that in the playoffs. What about the stuff after that? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he was great this season and no one's asking for more, but I think there's more there. And one of the places where I think there's more there is Nikola Jokic, the recruiter. How do you think he would fare? How do you think he's going to fare recruiting free agents and recruiting other players to come play for the Nuggets? Um, obviously the Nuggets don't have the history or the glamour that it seemed like the Lakers might have and they don't have uh, New York like the Knicks or the Nets. Um, how do you think Jokic uh, will fare in trying to bring big-name free agents and big-name players to Denver? What, uh, 
what do you think his pitch is like? And uh, do you think uh, do you think other players across the league will respond to that? Um, you know, obviously it was a great season. I think there's a few things we can add on the court, but off the court and the intangibles is where I, I really think you're going to see that next, you know, like the next step right, uh, of this game. But anyway, that's it for me. As always, it's a great work. Love the show. Looking forward to more off-season content. And as always, go Chris, thanks for the question as always. How will Jokic fare as a recruiter? Oh, it's a fascinating topic. I think there are some aspects of where he can improve on the court in terms of his three-point shooting. I think he can develop some more counters in the post. He seemed like he got a little too reliant maybe on that right-handed kind of baby hook over his left shoulder. I think he could get a, a few more counters there on the block. Keeping his emotions in check with the officials, he... Improved greatly, I thought, in the playoffs in that capacity, but still needs some work there probably. Off the court, as a recruiter, you ask, what do you think his pitch would look like? I don't think Nikola Jokic is going to be a guy who's going to call up Chris Middleton and say, hey, Chris, here's why you should come play with us in Denver. I don't think he's going to go out of his way really to help recruit a guy. Now, if Denver is all in on a guy like they were all in on Paul Millsap. They flew down to Atlanta. Sure, Jokic can Skype in on a call and say, hey, Paul, come play with us in Denver. Here's why it's so great. Here's why we'd be great on the court together. Here's why you should become a part of our organization, which he did during that free agency pitch to Paul. Skyped in from Serbia. But is he going to be a guy who's going to be plotting throughout the summer how to get Chris Middleton to Denver, you know, tracking him down in Milwaukee, going to visit him. No, I don't think he's going to be that guy. His pitch is what showed up on the court last year. It's what NBA players around the league watched throughout the first two rounds in the playoffs. His pitch is what he did in the Nuggets' first two rounds against the Spurs and then Portland when he was arguably one of the best players in the playoffs. I think he could have been the first-round MVP with the incredible series he had against San Antonio. And he was one of the better players throughout the entire playoffs over those first two rounds. That's his pitch. Any NBA player around the league could have watched Denver in a couple of those playoff games and said, man, what a joy it would be to play with Jokic. How many easy buckets would I get playing with this guy? You look at all the backdoor cuts that Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and Malik Beasley and Monte Morris get playing with Nicole Jokic. It's pretty easy to talk yourself into how fun, how enjoyable it would be to play with that guy. You'd probably have a career year with him. I guarantee you that. Chris Middleton might not get as many shots as he gets in Milwaukee, but I can guarantee you he'd shoot a higher percentage from the field. I can guarantee you he'd have a more efficient season. Jokic is the Peyton Manning of the NBA. Remember how Peyton Manning used to make all those Indianapolis receivers into thousand yard receivers, hundred catch receivers, no name guys would suddenly be churning out 900,000 yard seasons with five, six, seven touchdowns. Jokic can make any player who's got a basketball IQ of above 50% into a competent role player. If you know where to be on the offensive end of the floor, if you know how to cut, if you know how to move, if you know how to screen, if you can be somewhat of a threat from three, you can 
make a lot of money playing next to Nikola Jokic. Your numbers are going to look great. So I think that is appealing for the top tier for agents and also for those guys maybe looking to finally ink that first big contract. If you're a guy who's 31, 32 years old and can't ink a two, three-year deal this summer, maybe you look at Jokic and say, man, if I play 15 to 20 minutes around this guy on a one-year deal, my numbers are going to look crazy. We're going to win a lot of games. Then I can go secure that multi-year deal next summer. Jokic isn't going to go out of his way to recruit for agents, I don't believe. I could be wrong. Maybe he's on the phone with Kevin Durant right now. But his best recruiting pitch and really the best recruiting pitch the Nuggets have, Michael Malone is a great recruiter. He was a big reason, maybe the central reason, why Paul Millsap decided to come to Denver. He's really well-respected around the league. Kevin Durant's a big fan of him. LeBron James is a big fan of him. A lot of the All-Stars probably got to know him pretty well at All-Star Weekend this season. That can't hurt. But their biggest recruiting pitch is, hey, come play with a top 10 player in Nikola Jokic who would rather assist on your three-pointer than shoot his own, who's one of, if not the most unselfish superstar in the history of the NBA. Come play with that guy. So that's Jokic's best recruiting pitch. I don't think he's going to be going out of his way to recruit guys to come play in Denver. He'll do his part like he did with Paul Millsap last summer. But if you just watch him, and I'm sure a lot of these free agents this summer watched him over the playoffs, that really tells you all you need to know about why you should come play in Denver. So that'd be my answer to that. I think Denver should be a really attractive spot going forward for free agents. Not because of how Nikola Jokic will pitch guys over the phone or like in person, but just based on the product on the court. And Denver's got a really great culture to it right now. I don't know who wouldn't want to be a part of this culture. It's an organization that's clearly on the up and up. And so the Nuggets have that going for them, but they also have the ability to play with the most unselfish superstar in the league going for them as well. And one of the best young cores in the NBA, probably the best young core in the NBA and a team that's going to be really good for a while. Thanks for the question, Chris. If you guys want to call into the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, it's 1-800-BSNE-394. 1-800-BSNE-394. I want to remind you guys, if you're not subscribed to BSN Denver, right now is a great time to get on board. Awesome content coming out over the course of the offseason. You can get a one-year subscription right now that only comes out to $3.33 a month. And with it, you get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver locker of your choice. You got Nuggets, Avalanche, Broncos, Rocky shirts on there. So again, purchase an annual subscription to bsendenver.com. Costs less than a cup of coffee per month. Comes out to only $3.33 a month and you get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver locker. Also, don't forget to download the BSN Denver app from the iTunes store. It's also available on Android as well. Easy way to get access to all the great content. Got a couple cool things coming up for the remainder of this week. And obviously, we got the draft, which Denver might not be entirely active in, but I think they might get their hands on a second rounder, potentially for agency summer league, of course, which we'll cover in depth. And then before you know it, training camp will be here. So bsndenver.com backslash subscribe to get that deal. Let's hit a break real quick. On the other side, my end of year grade, my end of year report card for Gary Harris 
And then at the end of the show, what you guys have been asking for, what you guys have been waiting for, my review of Will Barton's mixtape and my ranking of the five songs on the EP. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com and use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Winter on a Thursday. Hope everybody's having a good week. I'm going to get to my end-of-season report card on Gary Harris right now. A rough season for Gary in a couple respects, just with the injuries and whatnot, but I really feel like he showed the Nuggets and Nuggets fans what he can do when he's fully healthy at the very end of the season and in the playoffs. Here's what his averages looked like over the course of the season. 57 games Harris appeared in. That's 10 fewer than last season and exactly the same amount that he played during 2016-17. Only 28.8 minutes per game from Harris, and part of that is probably Denver trying to keep his minutes down a little with the injury history he's had, and Part of that was also the games he played when he was working himself back from injury. He came off the bench for nine games this season and obviously was working himself back into rhythm. And towards the end of the season, especially when he came back from that last injury, Denver didn't want to put too many minutes on his plate. They wanted to ensure he was healthy for the playoffs and really dialed back his minutes, which proved to be the right decision in the long run because he was pretty good in the postseason. Only shot 42.4% from the field. That was the lowest since his rookie year. Only 33.9% from three. Also the lowest since his rookie year. And if you remember, Harris had one of the worst shooting seasons ever by a rookie who was a first-round draft pick. So not that high of a bar there. Shot at 80% from the line about what he's done over the last few seasons. 2.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 12.9 points per game his lowest scoring amount since 2016. And it's really too bad because in a season where Denver had so much success, this was a dream regular season for Denver. So many guys grew. Harris didn't enjoy that same level of growth, that same level of success. And that's too bad because it was really right there for him. And the injuries really are what I'm going to probably remember from this season uh, about Gary Harris. And it was tough for him, obviously. And He was clearly hampered by a lot of different things throughout the season. Maybe there was a little bit of a silver lining to it, though, 
And while it's probably not going to benefit Harris in the long term, Denver was 38-19 with him in the lineup. But with his injuries, it allowed for guys like Malik Beasley, Monte Morris to really come on this season. And you've got to think if Harris was healthy for 70, 75 games, maybe you don't get that type of growth. You don't get that type of maturity. You don't get that explosion that we saw from Malik Beasley this year when he did start in Harris's place. And even a lot of Monte Morris's minutes were attributed to Denver being a little thin in the backcourt. So there's a silver lining there when it comes to Harris's injuries, but that's probably what I'm going to remember. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. I'm going to remember two things. I'll remember the injuries throughout the regular season, and then I'll remember how good he was in the playoffs when he was fully healthy for one of the few times this season. Harris in the playoffs played in all 14 playoff games, 37 minutes per game, so a huge jump up from the regular season. Shot 46% from the field, 35% from three. Pretty good efficiencies there. 4.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, almost a steal per game, and average 14.2 points. It was probably more impressive what he did on the defensive end of the floor, though. I mean, Denver's first-round series against the Spurs really tilted in Denver's favor when the Nuggets made that move, one of the moves of the playoffs to put Harris on Derek White after he had really had his way with Denver over the first few games of that series. And Harris pretty much took White out of that first-round matchup. He was not the same after Gary Harris switched on to him. And in the regular season, Denver gave up 104.7 points per 100 possessions with Harris on the floor. When he was off the floor, that ballooned to 108.2. In the playoffs, that split was pretty similar. Denver's defense as a whole wasn't as good. Denver gave up 108.2 points per 100 possessions when he was on the floor during the playoffs, but gave up 113.4 when he was on the bench. So Harris was the difference maker in the playoffs. He was great on the offensive end of the floor. He was also great towards the end of the season when he was finally healthy. But defensively, I think that's where he made the biggest impact in the playoffs. He was great on Derek White in that first round series. He was great whenever he was on DeMar DeRozan. And then in the second round against Portland, for as well as C.J. McCollum played, and he was incredible in that second round series against Denver, I felt like Harris played pretty admirable defense on him. A lot of those shots C.J. McCollum hit, you can have an all-world defender. You can have a first-team all-defense guy, and I think that's what Harris was. That's the level he played at at times in the playoffs, but you could have that level of defender on McCollum, and he was going to still hit some of those step-backs that were just almost impossible shots to hit. So for as well as C.J. McCollum played, I thought Harris played pretty well defensively on him. And then when it comes to how he and Torrey Craig, you got to give Torrey Craig a lot of credit there and locking up Damian Lillard. I felt like both those guys really made their presence felt on that end of the floor against Lillard in the Portland series. The playoff run, it was really a little bit of a tease about what Denver missed throughout the regular season. Because Gary wasn't that type of defender throughout the regular season. He was really good. But it did seem like he really upped his level of play on that end of the floor in the playoffs. And you have to wonder if his health and how healthy he was feeling in the postseason to how healthy he was during the regular season played a role in that. So that's probably my biggest takeaway when it comes to Harris's season. 
The injuries is what I'll remember from the regular season, but his play on the defensive end of the floor, how good of a defender he was, I thought he was an all-NBA-level defender in those first two playoff series. That's what I'll remember from his season throughout the playoffs. When you look at what he did on the offensive end of the floor, it was a mixed bag because as I just went over the injuries, it really prevented him from finding that same offensive rhythm that he found last season and even in 2017. And what we saw from Harris, and if you guys are subscribed to cleantheglass.com, it's a great site that really breaks down shot distributions and how good a respective player is at the rim, at mid-range, and at the three-point line. It breaks it down really clearly. But what we saw from Harris this season is pretty much in line with the distribution we saw from him last season. And after 2017, I think looking back on the data, we really saw a switch and a change in how Harris gets a lot of his shots and gets a lot of his offense. Let me just rattle off some stats for you. In 2016-17, and I've said this on the show earlier this week, but that seemed like the peak of Jokic ball, right? Post-December 15th, when Denver was the number one offense in the league and really put up numbers that it hasn't put up for that long of a stretch since. In 2017, Gary Harris took 44% of his shots at the rim and only 19% of his shots from the mid-range. Now, he's trended in a different direction since. He's trended more away from the rim and more towards the mid-range. So, like I said, in 2017, he took 44% of his shots at the rim. In 2018, he only took 31% of his shots at the rim. And the percentage of his shots that he took from the mid-range went up from 19% to 28%. This season, more shots at the rim... Up to 36% of his field goal attempts came at the rim, but still not anywhere close to that 44% mark he enjoyed in 2017. And 28% of his shots, again, came at the mid-range, exactly in line with how many mid-range attempts he took, respectively, in 2018. So Harris took more shots at the rim this season than he did in 2018, but is still taking, I think, a little too many mid-range jumpers than he should be. And this has just been a trend that he's had over the last couple of seasons. And I do wonder if the injuries have played a part in it. Maybe with the injuries, it's a little more daunting to get to the rim. I know when I've played and I've been banged up, you find yourself not wanting to go all the way to the rim. And Harris only shot 36% from the mid-range this season. That's only in the 43rd percentile of all wing players in the NBA. So it's not like he was really efficient from the mid-range by any means. And, and so I do wonder if the injuries played a part in it and if he found himself not being able to get to the rim because that was another big takeaway from the season I saw Gary Harris just put together. When he was able to get to that right hand, coming off a dribble handoff on the left wing, coming off a pick on the three-point line and going to his right hand, it almost seemed like when he really wanted to get to the rim, nobody was going to stop him. He is so strong. I don't think people realize how strong he is, not just his upper body, but his lower body too. He's got the lower body of like an NFL running back, you know, or an NFL tight end. He's so strong in the legs. He can sky with the best of them. One of the more underrated athletes on the Nuggets roster. And it, it seemed like when he just put his head down and got to his right hand, he could really get to the rim whenever he wanted to. 
but too often I felt like he was pulling up from mid-range this season. So maybe that had to do with the injuries or whatnot, but uh, I'm sure the injuries also had to do with his three-point shot not quite being there this year. Only shot 34% from the field, and this was a guy who shot 42% in 2017 and 40% last season. So he's a better shooter than what he showed this season. And going back to it, I will remember the injuries from this season. And the injuries really costed him of what could have been a huge season, I thought, with how good this Nuggets team was. They were really great defensively, tied for the ninth best defense in the league with him being this banged up. So that makes me feel like maybe their defensive ceiling is even higher. Maybe they can continue to climb even a couple more rungs on the defensive end of the floor if Harris is able to stay healthier. Now, here's a question I've gotten from some. Does Malik Beasley's emergence make Gary Harris a little more expendable? And and let me get out in front of this by saying, I don't think Denver is necessarily looking to move Gary Harris by any means. I think they still view him as a really integral building block here and would like him to be their starting two guard for a long, long time. And I think Denver can win a championship with Gary Harris as their starting two guard. I think they can get to a finals next season with Gary Harris as their starting two guard if things fall right for them in the Western Conference. I think Denver believes that as well. But with Malik Beasley's emergence, and Malik Beasley right now, I know he's not playing as many minutes as Gary Harris, but he looks like a more durable player. He looks less injury prone than Gary Harris. Does his emergence here, partly because of Harris's injuries, does that maybe make Gary a bit more expendable? And I think it does. And I think if there's that small forward out there, that dream small forward out there that Denver could look to go get, I think they'd be more willing to put Gary Harris in a deal now than they were at this time a year ago, thanks to Malik Beasley's emergence and what he showed he can do at the two-guard spot this season. He's probably just as good, if not a little more pure of a shooter than Gary Harris is, and that's really you know, picking between two great shooters. They're both probably around 40% shooters for their careers, I would think, when at full health. Gary's obviously fallen off a little bit, and like I said, the injuries might have something to do with it. They're both great shooters. I think they're both really high-level offensive players, but they're very different offensive players. Like, for example, Malik Beasley doesn't have close to the same chemistry that Gary Harris does with Nikola Jokic, and that's a very valuable chemistry. That's highly valued with the Nuggets, how well you play with Nikola Jokic. And obviously Gary's played a lot more minutes with Nikola Jokic as a part of that starting group. Malik Beasley's normally with the bench group, doesn't play as many minutes with Jokic as Harris and those starters do. He's a lot better in the DHO than Beasley. He's got a higher offensive IQ right now. And maybe that will come with Beasley with more time in the league with age, with more reps. But right now, Gary's just a much higher IQ player than Beasley is on both ends of the floor. And Gary's obviously a much better defender than Beasley. I think if you're starting Beasley, Denver's defense could take a step back from where it was this season because it's going to be tough to replace Gary Harris's defense. But I think it's an interesting question to ask. And I don't think... Gary Harris is expendable by any means. Denver needs his defense. Denver needs his ability in the DHO and offensive IQ and spacing. 
But I, I do wonder if Malik Beasley's emergence and ceiling and potential makes him a little more expendable than he's been in years past. I think it's an interesting subject. I think there's some truth to it, but obviously I don't think you're, if you're Denver, you're looking to go out and move Gary Harris quickly just because of what Malik Beasley did this season. If I had to give Gary Harris a grade in my final report card, I'm giving him a B plus, and it's tough to kill a guy for injuries, you know. but you've got to subtract a little for that just because he didn't have that same on-court impact that he did a year ago, I thought. But his grade definitely did rise up a little bit for what he did in the playoffs, and I thought he was outstanding in the playoffs. He was outstanding at the end of the regular season when Denver locked in that two seed. So I'm going to give him a B plus for, for this season. Let's hit another break real quick. On the other side, I'm going to wrap up. Let's talk about Will Barton's mixtape. Let's talk about his unexpected EP. I've gone ahead and ranked the five songs on there. And I've also got some thoughts about players venturing into other hobbies and other verticals throughout the offseason and why fans should really not have any problem with it. So I will get to that on the other side. We'll be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday. We are presented by The Green Solution. Of course, visit MyGreenSolution.com. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Hey Harrison, it's Nate from Greeley. I've really liked your podcast lately, and I was just wondering if you you've listened to Will Barton's album yet. <laughs> thanks for doing the show. Bye. Thanks for the call, Nate, and thanks for the question. Yes, I have listened to the album mixtape. Game three between the Warriors and Raptors ended last night. After that wrapped up, I immediately listened to this thing three or four times through. I listened through it a couple more times this morning. I think I've settled on how I'd rank the songs here. And if you guys haven't listened to it, I really did not know what to expect in terms of Will Barton rapping. I've got to say, though, if you're into a lot of the mainstream rap that's out right now, I think you'll enjoy it. And I enjoyed it. Here's how I'd rank the five songs. Fifth is Vibes. Fourth is Caution. Some good lines on there that I can't repeat on this podcast, though. That's another thing. There should be a parental advisory sticker on this one. Third is Unexpected, the title track of the EP. Second is Prevail, probably my favorite beat on the album. And then the top song on there, Big Thrill, with the line of the EP, 
quote, they talking analytics, I tell them to mind their business. So there you have it, the definitive ranking of the five songs on Barton's EP. And you know, that brings me to another topic. I tweeted out a link to it on my Twitter account so you guys will get wind of it. Immediately, I got people all up in my mentions saying, man, this is why he looked like crap in the playoffs last year. You know, he's got to get out of the booth and onto the practice court. First of all, he was just working on this this summer, from what I understand. So he was not cutting practice time during the playoffs and throughout the year to record this mixtape. Secondly, players are allowed to have hobbies and interests off the court. Just like you or I have interests outside of our respective jobs. I don't talk about the Nuggets. I don't record podcasts all day, every day. I don't write 15 hours a day. Just like NBA players, for as much as they get paid, shouldn't be expected to be in the gym all day, every day. They're in the gym a lot. And Will Barton was in the gym a lot last summer. He'll be in the gym a ton this summer. He'll be there more than he needs to be. Don't make that mistake about judging him that way. But players are allowed to have interests off the court, just like we have hobbies and activities that we enjoyed outside of our jobs. You can criticize his game all you want, but to have an opinion that players can't have hobbies outside of basketball and should be in a gym at all hours of the day, working on their game, studying film all night long. It's just a bad take. It's wrong. And so people that think that way should reevaluate their stance on that. I enjoyed the EP. I'm not sure what exactly you guys like to listen to, what types of music you enjoy. If you're a fan of rap music in this day and age, I think you'll enjoy this. And with that, I think that's all the time I got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Be back with another episode on Friday. Talk to you then. Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD and rich coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. And the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.